Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Silicon Valley relies on talent to create new technology. A lot of this talent is immigrants from other places. Estimates say that more than half of Silicon Valley's workforce is made up of immigrants who are here on visas. And half of all billion-dollar startups are founded by immigrant entrepreneurs. This includes companies like Uber. Only the last few years have some of their spouses, who are mostly women, been allowed visas to work too. But now the Trump administration wants to end that. The best and the brightest, as President Trump likes to say, really are living and working in Silicon Valley. Today, what getting rid of spousal work visas could mean to the Bay Area and to women. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. As a person who lives on the peninsula, if I go to the farmer's market on California Avenue in in Palo Alto on any given Sunday, it's unbelievable the number of languages I hear. Rachel Myro covers Silicon Valley culture for KQED. She's been keeping an eye on one of President Trump's immigration policies that has some major implications to the Bay Area's tech industry and its diversity. I hear languages I recognize. I hear languages I don't recognize. Some of them, they just got here six months ago. Some of them have been here since before I arrived. (laughs) Silicon Valley has been essentially booming for decades. And that boom has brought with it people who have business smarts, who have science smarts, who have, you know, as a subset of that, engineering smarts or medicine smarts. They have managed to do a lot of this great work, regardless of uh, the complexities of the politics surrounding immigration reform. All right, so let's see here. Why don't we start with, who are you? Hi, I'm Lina Siddhadpai, and I live in Sunnyvale. So how did Lina Bai get to the Bay Area? What was her path here? So she grew up in Mumbai, in India. I came here three years ago. Uh, with your husband? With my husband, Siddharth Pai, yes. And uh, where is he working? He works at Google as a product manager. And uh, is he on an H-1B visa? Yes, he is. So she, uh, like many smart Indians, went to a, a couple good schools, got two degrees. It's an amazing school and I have an amazing um, education. So I would love to use that if possible here. She was lucky in the sense that They arrived just three years ago. And it just so happened that the Obama administration had allowed for 
people in her situation to apply for the right to work. When I came here, I didn't have a legal right to work. We had to do a bunch of paperwork. We had to get in line for green card, which it's a different story altogether. How much time we are going to get? How much years before we get that? But uh, we did a paperwork to get me a work authorization, which is now called as H four EAD. She went from being just an H four visa holder, the spouse of an H one B visa right. holder, to being an H four EAD holder. So that's, uh, what, what did we say that was? Employment <laughs> authorization document. Yes, she has an employment authorization document. So she's allowed to work, and she does. Now I work in a nonprofit that helps women make careers in technology. I work there at a, at, I would say, at a normal, I mean, let's not talk about pay, but it's, I work there hard to make sure that women, U.S. citizens, women of color, underrepresented women, all of them get equal opportunity to be in technology field and they get equal pay as men. So I believe I use my H4EAD for the betterment of the community. And so in 2015, the Obama administration allows for people to get these visas and this opens up the opportunity for spouses to, to work in the United States. Yes, yes. The Obama administration announced yesterday that starting this spring, spouses of certain foreign workers can also apply for jobs. A lot of Americans So why are these visas, these spouse working visas in jeopardy right now? Back when the Obama administration first made this rule change allowing for some spouses of H1B visa holders to work, a group representing Uh, tech workers who claim they were displaced by H-1B visa holders sued. And their argument is, well, this is just a backdoor regulation allowing for more people, more immigrants to come in and take jobs from Americans. Supporters of the government's position say H-1 and H-4 employees are taking jobs away from domestic workers by accepting lower wages. While that court case was in process, because the wheels of justice turned slowly, uh-huh. uh, the, we switched from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, and things were not looking good for the plaintiffs. Uh, the case went to appeals, and then the Department of Homeland Security essentially told the, the judge and the plaintiff, hey guys, hold off. We're intending to change this rule. The H-4 employees are able to work in the U.S. under a provision of the visa that the government has indicated it may revoke. At first it was thought that that might happen last spring and then possibly summer, and now people are talking about it could happen in November, or okay, now maybe it's the new year. In any case, the people who are watching this case anticipate um, that even if it's not a top priority uh, as far as the Trump administration is concerned, that's where it's headed. This program is going to shut down. Hmm. And I read in this one article that Trump getting rid of this work spouse visa was was low hanging fruit on on in terms of the immigration issues. Do you know why that's the case? Well, because it's uh, it's something that can be tweaked on an executive level. I mean, basically, immigration law is a giant mess. It's a mishmash of legislative mandates from Congress, you know, yeah. to these individual executive orders. It's also true that we're talking about a very tiny number of people in terms of the larger employment market in the U.S. 
Okay, so when Rachel says a tiny percentage of the overall U.S. market, she's talking about roughly 105,000 immigrant spouses who have this visa. This is a sliver of the country's workforce. Many of them are Indian women like Lena Bai. Don't make us feel invisible. We have our daily struggles too. At the back of our mind, when we raise our kids here who are not born in the U.S., we fear for their future. We don't want them to be asked to, to leave the U.S. as they age out. Basically, right now, people are getting their green cards who applied in 2009. So if you think along those terms, if we had to wait another nine years, and it might be more than nine years, they might be looking at how they're going to afford college for their children on only one salary. So I have one uh, boy who is... Uh, going to be four in October, a lovely age, and a daughter who is now seven years old. They cannot choose professions that they want. I know I, if this case continues, if, we, if I continue to stay in the U.S., I can, he cannot become a lawyer. He cannot become a doctor. He has all these professions closed to him. So we are talking about a group of people who have a lot of wherewithal, intellectual wherewithal, and relatively speaking, financial wherewithal. I mean, they're, they're middle class for sure. And what's more likely to happen is something that I've already read reports happening, although I don't have statistics for it, which is that many of these families might just say, you know, this is, this is just too much trouble. There's, you know, given the political climate, uh, we can't plan our lives. And also it's, it's insulting, <laughs> offensive, yeah, right. right? You don't want us? All right. You know, we'll, we'll take our skills and we'll go to Canada or we'll go to, you know, back to India or we'll, we'll go someplace else where they want to set up their version of Silicon Valley and yeah. use our skills. All these existential questions come to our mind. And I really feel that there should be at least a big clarity here. If we can't just live in this kind of dilemma. Like, limbo is what limbo, it is. Limbo. Yeah. limbo is the correct word. We are all stuck in a limbo. Does that mean there's a lot at stake for Silicon Valley? If Silicon Valley needs these positions to be filled by people who can do them, are we losing out? Is the country losing out by not having these people here? Well, there are certainly a lot of people who argue that. I, I talked with a, um, he's a popular technology columnist named uh, Vivek Wadwa. He's one of many people who basically argue that uh, Silicon Valley is losing its lead in the race to develop new technologies because it's, you know, spitting in the eye of all these uh, potential, not just worker bees, but also startup founders, entrepreneurs, people with good ideas. I mean, one, one of the things that uh, you can't help but sense when you spend any time in Silicon Valley is how much we benefit from the combined collaborative intelligence of people from all over the world. And if other countries are making their Silicon Valleys, their Silicon Glens, Alleys, Wadis, you know, everyone everyone wants what we have here. And they they're already... Uh, several years out developing what we have here. Where's Lena Byatt right now? Is, is she going to wait it out? Or is she one of these people who is just getting so frustrated and considering leaving the U.S.? I think because they're just three years into this grand adventure in Sunnyvale, um, she's still keen to hang on to her American dream, as she calls it. We believe America is a wonderful country. 
we believe the opportunities that are present in america are not present anywhere else we are really thankful i cannot say how thankful we are to have this opportunity to stay here uh and i would say that i would continue striving for the dream that we came here for people who come here want to be here they wanted to come here so it takes a lot to reach that point where you give up okay so where are we at with all this there's no deadline or even a timeline for the trump administration to make any decisions about ending the h4 ead spousal work visa but it could be any day now and clearly in trump's america first mentality he doesn't believe immigrants, including their spouses, should be taking jobs from, quote, American workers. Thanks to Rachel Myro, who covers Silicon Valley for KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. Just a quick note that we're going to be taking off this Friday, but we'll have a show on Wednesday. So I will talk to you then. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.